0: You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 54.
1: Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men
0: so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I am Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. And it's good to be back, Chris, for another episode of Real Talk for Real Men.
1: Yeah, and today you're about to dive us into some pretty deep water. I'm I'm not so sure how we're going to go with this thing.
0: Well, this is one we're not actually very prepared for, but it's um, and, and and we've probably going to need to admit a little bit of ignorance for this one.
1: Yeah, Guy's been reading the Bible, which is a brilliant idea, and in the process, a whole bunch of thoughts have begun to crystallise, and he almost wants to flesh them out live on our program, so I'm not sure where that's, we're going to go with this.
0: Yeah, that's right. This isn't a show where we've come prepared with a whole lot of answers, and this is a topic, and this is what you need to do to, to solve your issue. This is one where we we're just going to see, raise the topic and see how it goes.
1: And I think it's a topic, really, that does resonate with the hearts of men, real men, because it's to do with going to battle, to do with picking up an issue and standing up for it, whether to stand, whether that's wise, or whether to yield, and the contradiction what what guys kind of put to me as we've discussed it warming up for this is that the contradiction between turning the other cheek and uh, putting on the armor of god and going out to fight and that's basically what you're talking about isn't it
0: yeah so and this is this is something which i was thinking about last night at, at a bible study when we've been going through the book of of samuel and first samuel and the life of david and saul and and it's also something which is quite topical in the news here in Australia at the moment with some Christians who are who are making a decision to stand up and fight for their right to express their religion in the public place. I'll tell you right off the, I guess off the bat is that the topic is to flee or to fight from a Christian man's perspective and and from an Australian and also from a New Zealand point of view we've never had to fight for these rights to freedom of religion, freedom of Uh, congregation, freedom of of speech, we've never had to fight for these rights on our own shores. There are others of you listening that may have, your great-grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers and grandmothers and so forth, may have had to fight for those rights. And so we may be well behind you in terms of our thinking on this. And so we need to admit a little bit of of ignorance and your patience as we stumble through it.
1: Yeah, I think that's very true. But let's just put the picture in in in, in View for our audience mm. in Australia at the moment, we have um, a sportsman who had spent about what twelve years at his pro- his professional sport career. Yep, and he then, um, as a Christian, made a statement that stood by the Bible and its uh, determination or its its uh, speaking regarding uh, people's sexual activities, and in the process of that, he they, they came down really heavy on him.
0: Yeah, so, he, so basically they ended his career, tore up a, a multi-million dollar contract and um, denied him going to a significant sporting event and basically ended what he, is, what he is, has always done since he was 18 years old and effectively got a life sentence for re- expressing his religious views, for paraphrasing scripture from the Bible and past- pasting it on social media. And so um, he is fighting, uh, at the time we're recording this, is choosing to fight this in the Australian courts. The Christians that I have spoken to or seen comments about are coming down on two camps. One that's saying, yes, he should fight, and this is a fight that he needs to fight for the good of the little guy, for for all of us who want to not just express our religious views in public, but any views in public, which aren't obviously, obviously we in the past, we've drawn the line at something which is inciting violence. Okay. But, but um, just expressing a religious viewpoint or expressing a viewpoint on the social media. And there are people that don't necessarily agree with his views who are backing him and putting money into his, his fight because they see that we have a case of freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of thought, freedom of how we spend our money even, under threat. And there are those in the other camp that say, no, look, as a Christian, we should expect to be persecuted. This is what the Bible says is going to happen. The things are going to get worse until Jesus comes back. We should just take it on the chin and and accept the persecution and walk away.
1: Now, for those that are hearing this and don't know who we're talking about, the sportsman's name is Israel Folau. Uh, and he's an Australian footballer. So tell us, just identify him for our international audience, trying to find him.
0: Yeah, so Israel Falau is an Australian representative in rugby union, and he's been playing, like we said, for, for 12 years, and he's been the highest tri-scorer in uh, the, the Southern Hemisphere competition, the, the super rugby, uh, the highest ever tri-scorer. And is Australia an Australian superstar? So he was the poster boy. Was to be the poster boy for the World Cup, and uh, and was was on the most highly paid contract of the Australian rugby players, and uh, and so, uh, you know, this is this is this is big news here in, in Australia and uh, and Australian media and Australian segments of the Australian public have come down hard on him as they, as they have also from New Zealand and in the UK.
1: And yet others are speaking up, saying the principle is we have the right to be able to express ourselves. And so this is where the, the yeah. question comes. What, what would be a Christian response? Now, all of that is meshing with what you've been observing about the life of David. So tune us into what you've been observing there.
0: Yeah. So when we look at the life of David, uh, as we go through the book of of First Samuel, we see that there were times when he stood up and fought. Obviously, the, the most well-known story is fighting Goliath, uh, the Philistine Goliath, the giant, nine, nine plus feet tall uh, at the, in the Valley of Elah. And when the Israelites wouldn't fight him, everybody was too scared to fight him, he stepped up as a nineteen, about a 19-year-old. He wasn't old enough to be in the, the, uh, the armed forces yet. He stood up and took the battle to Goliath and, with the help of God, defeated him with his, with his sling. Uh, but at other times, David ran. He was later on. He was being chased by by Saul because Saul believed he was he was out. David was out to kill him, and so Saul fled. So David fled to the prophets at Nod, and he also fled actually to Gath, Goliath's hometown. Yeah. And and there are other times when he got his family and chose to get them to flee across the Moab. So there were times when David decided to fight, and other times when he decided to flee. And that got me thinking. And with those two stories, with Israel Falau and also with David, how do we decide what are the principles that I would use? What are the things that I would do to try and decide whether I should flee or whether I should stand up and fight? And when we look back back at history, you raised a good one when we were talking earlier about some of these great men, and there's been some women too, who have stood up at key points in history and fought for right. They haven't succumbed to the pressure and said, well, maybe I should just go and walk away. And we were talking about uh, William Wilberforce, who stood up in Britain over many years and many setbacks to defeat slavery, the slave ship trade in Great Britain.
1: Yeah. And what we understand from that is, and I'm by no means an expert, but it it wasn't just one one legal battle. It wasn't just one weekend's hard work. Hmm. There was, in fact, a very protracted process a number of things that were tried that failed, but they just kept at it, kept looking for a way to be able to find the right um, uh, place to break in on that whole circuit of things to stop that trade. And finally, they were successful.
0: Mm. And our our American friends that are are listening, you will recognise some of the battles that you guys have had and are still having. And and we don't know a fraction of it compared to what, what you do, of course. But I have noticed how a number of the states within the U.S. are, are trying to fight the battle for the unborn. Even They can't overturn the Roe versus Wade at the federal level, but they are bringing in and fighting to try and bring in laws within the states to effectively make abortion much more difficult within those states and to fight for the rights of the, of the unborn child. And so we have these battles going on and they've gone on throughout history. So how do you decide when to fight and when, no, I shouldn't fight, I should just, I should just walk away? So we can see then, if I can
1: make this observation out of the life of David, it's not wrong to fight, but it's not mandatory to fight.
0: Mm. Well, that- clearly not. I mean, when you look at his life, clearly you see that. Assuming that, I mean, we don't. When we look at David's life, we can't. And we can look back in hindsight and say some of those decisions, yes, in hindsight, were right, and some of the decisions were wrong. And I think when you look at what happened when he went to, when he flew to to Nod to um, the priest Ahimelech at at Nod, and then he lied to Nod, deceived him about why he was there. Now, that was. That was, that was interesting that he had, he seemed to be acting out of fear there and he fled and that had dire consequences because later on Ahimelech and, and 85 of the priests were slaughtered. So, you know, we can look back and say, well, he was right there and he was wrong then, he was right there, he was wrong then. But there were times, there are times when, when the Lord has told people to flee. Look when when Jesus was born and Joseph and Mary were told to flee to Egypt, mm-hmm. right? So how do we know? How do we How know whether to stand up and fight or whether to flee?
1: Yeah. And so what we're assuming then is that there will be times where we'll be called to fight. There will be times when we will be called not to fight. And then our journey personally, especially as men who really want to make a difference, is to somehow be able to navigate that turf. And so we're looking for some principles, some uh, guiding issues. Um, well, what would you do? Issues.
0: What would you do if we were faced with a you're faced with that that decision, whether to fight or to flee.
1: I think the very first thing would be to get some sense, if I could at all, of whether God was saying anything about that at all. Was God telling me to fight? Was he telling me to flee? Have some sense of personal leading. As you said, Joseph was, was instructed by an angel uh, to take Jesus and Mary and himself and get out to Egypt. So I... It'd be wonderful if the decision was made that clear. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Send me an angel, tell me what I'm supposed to do. That's
0: right. That would be nice, wouldn't it?
1: So the first thing would be to seek God and say, God, what's going on here? What do I do? Mm. You know, do I stand up? And many a person has foolishly rushed out to stand up and been shot or stabbed or otherwise terminated. And you could look back and think that was just really not very helpful. It really didn't. They were just too hasty, too too quick to jump up and and, uh, react out of their own uh, personality or whatever. And then they were no good to anybody because they were dead. So at the same time, of course, if you run and hide all the time and run away from the battles, you're basically saying to the enemy, here, take as much ground as you want. You know, we're not going to resist you. So to find God's voice Mm. in there somewhere would be the first thing I'd be looking for. So this
0: this was a choice that Alvin York had and American friends would recognize that name. Alvin York was uh, American, I believe, from Tennessee. Although I might be wrong, and he was a conscientious objector. He didn't want to go and fight in the First World War, but he decided to actually go. He decided to to actually go go and fight. Are we talking Hacksaw Ridge here? No, this Alvin. is not this is not the guy from Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> that was the Second World War but uh he he initially didn't want to go but in the end he decided yes he would go okay. and he was very good with a rifle he was a hunter and and a sharpshooter and and so forth and, and you go and and read a story or watch the movie actually it's i think Jimmy Stewart it's Jimmy Stewart i think plays Alvin York in, in a very good film and he he captured over ended up capturing over 100 Germans almost single-handedly only had two or three men with him including a number of officers and uh, and managed to save a lot of American lives by capturing some machine gun nests and God used him he could have easily have not gone and gone and fought but somewhere along the line we assume that he heard the voice of God and he decided to go and he fought for his country and he fought for his for his guys for the guys alongside him the guys next to him and uh, and the Lord blessed what he did Mm. And he came back. He came back. Uh, he came back a, a hero.
1: Mm. Well, I guess the issue here, then, we're just talking about step one: try and find the mind of the Lord. And mm. I guess that takes humility, because one of the things that can happen for us is we can have predetermined our decision mm. about certain things only really because that's what our daddy always stood for, or that's what we felt politically motivated toward and to actually hear the voice of God means to be humble enough to actually say, mm. I really need to hear God's voice, not just my prejudiced opinion about whether you should or shouldn't do this sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and it's easy to have a presumption here. It's easy to have a presumption and say, well, God did it this way. And I think we see that through through the lives of the Israelites, through the stories of their history, is that sometimes God did things one way. And then another time he did it completely another way. We see that in the life of, I think was, so um, Joshua, and when he was trying to take the, the promised land, right? And they, when they inquired of God and sought God before they went into battle, they were successful. And then other times they were a failure. And we see that again in the life of David, when he went and inquired of God uh, as to whether he should go to go into battle or not. And God answered him, they were successful, but at times when he went off on his own accord, uh, there were he made mistakes, resulted in sin, lies, deceptions, and so forth, and it had dire consequences. And so, I think that first point that you've raised is is the most important one: is that we, whatever the situation is, don't presume that you know the mind of God before you've gone to see Him, before you've gone and asked Him what it is. And I guess the other question
1: you. that immediately comes up is, well, how am I supposed to hear the voice of God? Well, obviously, we'll have our own inner witness, the sense of conviction that we get. We confirm that by what the Bible says. We also listen and get godly counsel. The multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. So you don't just run off and do something crazy because it, the idea is settled in your own head. You need to, no. to be wise and, and, and look and wait for, for confirmation. the confirmation.
0: And it's, it's God's job to tell you. I mean, he's... <laughs> He can tell you any way he likes. I mean, we don't need to think that that burden is on us to actually to to hear. He can tell us in a multiple of different ways of his choosing and his timing. So, you know, our responsibility is to go and ask. It's his to answer. Mm.
1: So that'd be my step one. Yeah, I agree. What would you do?
0: That well, that was my step one as well. Okay, I, I told you that before we started, so that was cheating. But the se- the second one, the second one for me would be to, to truly test my, what my motives are, because the Bible provides us with some very strong warnings about where strife and fighting and those sorts of things come from. In James chapter four and verse one and two, it talks about where does uh, where does wars where does and striving, striving and stuff come, from. come yeah. from? It comes from Let's see if I've got I the verse it's here. It's actually,
1: a, your lust that war in your members. is King James version on that. What one,
0: causes yeah. fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Do you not have because you do not have because you don't ask of God? So, I would be I would be testing my motives, and again, that takes humility as to mm. what are my what are my motives. So, when my business ended in 2012, my trading business ended, I was, I wanted to, and all of us wanted to, to, to fight for what was rightfully ours in terms of the money that we were owed and so forth. And, you know, we spent a lot of money on lawyers and we decided that we were going to, we were going to fight this and we'd do what it takes, do what it took. And that was our initial response. That was my initial response to fight this. But, over time, I gradually realised that there wasn't a good motive here. I was wanting to get revenge. I was wanting to get. Uh, I was wanting to, you know, to to get money. I was wanting to satisfy a desire, a thirst that that uh, wasn't wasn't a good motive, and so um, I had to walk away from that. But that was that was an example of how how we can think this fight is right, this fight is good, I'm owed this, I need to fight for this, but the motives are all wrong.
1: And so even then, the issue of justice is not always a good rationale for going into a fight. No. Oh, it's just, I'm entitled to this, which, because you're talking about actually being entitled to money that you end up having to walk away from. Mm. And I've noticed over the years, uh, there were two brothers or a, a man that came to Jesus and he said, tell my brother to properly divide the inheritance with me. Right. Mm. So that kind of strife between even close people, you know, brothers, mm. family members, over an injustice, and you feel like this is a no-brainer. I've got every right to this. I should be able to fight for this. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that in God's economy and in, in the real wisdom for our lives that it really is appropriate to fight. Mm. Uh, my, one of my sons drew my attention years ago to the uh, story that we only know from the movies, but a, a chap who invented an intermittent wiper and they made a movie about uh, his invention and he took it to the motor companies and they ended up ripping him off and, yep. and stealing the idea. And, he, and then he fought them. He fought them for a very, very long period of time. Mm. And in the movie, the rather sad, um, uh, happy, sad kind of ending where he's, he's got the judgment, he's, got, he's finally been vindicated mm. and he goes and greets his former wife and her new husband. Mm. And, what his, does it cost and his children, who who have been a little bit estranged from him, you know, mm. you, you realize that that uh, he it might have been just to have fought that fight, mm. but then he paid a, a huge personal cost. Mm. And sometimes in God's economy, He speaks into our heart and says, "Let that thing go," mm. and you say, "No, no, I'm it justice says I'm going to be right to this," mm. and God knows it's just going to eat us up. The very mm. fight itself, even though we might. Be able to say that we—it's justice that we should have that. The very
0: fight will only eat us up. Hmm. Another, another wrong motive is fear, mm-hmm. and we see that in the life. We see that with David. We see that he was afraid when he went to to Gath, and it got discovered that he was there. He, he was there was the hometown of Goliath. He was carrying yeah. Goliath's sword. You wonder he why was he went going there. there for refuge? Because yeah. was this human thinking. I think it was that um, he figured that well. Saul's enemies will be my friends, right? And, you know, the past defeating you will be forgotten, current mm-hmm. enemies is Saul and so forth. And he feigned being mad and dribble coming down his beard mm-hmm. and so forth so that he wouldn't be harmed. And, you know, so there was fear there. And it's amazing here. There's this, this guy that stood and fought Goliath, but yet he was, it was fear that caused him to lie to Ahimelech and also to lie to the Philistines at Gath. And so fear is another motive that can easily creep in and cause us to choose the wrong one over fleeing versus fighting.
1: Yeah, and sometimes uh, we we have to be able to stand before God without any other voice screaming inside us, Hmm. whether it's the voice of fear or or justice, or whether it's we need to prove ourselves or whatever, those voices screaming inside us um, deaden our ability to actually hear what God is saying. Mm. And sometimes fear can scream pretty loud.
0: Mm. Yeah. but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and strength and sound mind. mind. Mm -hmm. The third one for me is seeking peace and unity, especially with other believers. That should be something that we consider as, as a pretty strong priority. You know, obviously the Bible counsels about taking fellow believers to court. Uh, so it's something that I would want to have in my mind as to whether this is, whether the action that I'm taking is supporting fellow believers or not.
1: Supporting them. So in, you, you, you're distinguishing here probably uh, that there are two kinds of fights. There's the fight that we can have with a brother or a sister in the Lord, mm-hmm. a fellow Christian because we feel that they've cheated us in business or they've done us wrong, hmm. then we have the other kind of fight, like standing up against slavery, which Wilberforce did. Yep. That's of a different category. Again, absolutely. But certainly, yep. to take our brother, our our Christian brother or sister to court is something we need to do extremely carefully because of how the Bible counsels us on that.
0: Yeah, and so we can we can think that well, you know, look, Jesus was the was the friend of everybody except the Pharisees and and. You know, people look at Jesus in his first time he came and said, "Well, he was kind of a bit of a pacifist." You know, that's the way a lot of people look at mm-hmm. him. You know, he he wasn't taking up the battle to the Romans. He wasn't taking up the battle. He had strong words to the to the to the Pharisees, and he tore the tables over in the temple when they were when they were ripping people off. But we can look at, we can get. We can look at one side of God, I guess, and forget about the other sides. We can see, we, we do not realize that Jesus is going to come back as the line of Judah at mm-hmm. some point. And we've got these pockets during in the Old Testament. We've got times when he's showing great mercy and other times when he is, we was yielding a violent hand of justice. Mm-hmm. And so it comes back to this. We can't just look at the life of Jesus and say, well, we can translate the things that he did there. To what we're doing today, and automatically know what we should do, I think that is—I think that's is a fool's game to be trying to trying to second guess what Jesus would do today.
1: Mm. And so to see the the whole counsel of Scripture, not just the particular verses that we like that support mm. the position, we can very easily. Can I've, and
0: I've seen this a number of times. I've experienced it where people have a viewpoint, and you can just go and pull Proof out ver- texts. You can mm. go and pull out verses to support your viewpoint. And ignore all the others. When people do that, there's no speaking to them. You can't do anything to them. You can't speak anything into their lives because they are so convinced that they've pulled out all these verses that back up what they do, that they are in the right, and you can't say you can't you can't speak anything into their lives. Mm.
1: So we see we keep coming scripture. back
0: to humility, don't we? We do, and yeah. just letting God
1: be God. Mm. The the issue of of uh, battle. We' are told that we are in a battle with the devil. we're told mm. that we actually are to wear armor we have a sword we have yeah. we have offensive weaponry in our in our possession now that's a spiritual battle, but it certainly shows that Christians are not just meant to lie down and uh, allow the enemy to just take what off them whatever he chooses to. They stand up and then, as we stand up against the devil himself, resist the devil, and he'll flee very many times we find ourselves having to stand up against the devil's uh, army, as it were, the people whom he, the enemy, has beguiled, who are uh, championing a wrong cause, and we have to come up and stand against them. Mm. Uh, we think of uh, Elijah standing up against the prophets of Baal, mm. three hundred prophets of Baal, and uh, he 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 had a strategy. Then he had a, he he set it up. Okay, let's see which God responds by sending fire from heaven. But he had the boldness to actually confront them, to draw a line, and say, "We're going to sort this thing out." And so there are many uh, examples in scripture of people who did, by God's grace, step into the, the fray and find themselves really in a battle, a battle against enemy, a battle against evil, uh, a battle for, on, on God's behalf, uh, as well as those times when, when people literally just walked away. And, and because once again, God had given them that as their instruction and they didn't go into battle. They left the battle for, for some other time or some other
0: person. And so I think you've come up with quest- with point four here, uh, just oh, on you're just, on the, are you, just on the just on the fly. I think you've come up with uh-huh. point four. Is is this a spiritual battle or is it a battle against okay. flesh and blood? Yeah, right. And that's one example. We can come from Jesus. He was fighting spiritual battles, not mm-hmm. battles against flesh and blood. Yeah. And so that's something that we should think about. Is this battle that I'm thinking about running from or fighting? Is it a spiritual battle behind it or is it? flesh and blood battle, and perhaps that will come back to looking and examining our motives. Yeah. The other
1: thing then that comes into my mind as we discuss that is using spiritual weapons, if it is a spiritual battle. Mm. Just earlier this year, we had a federal election. That means our our, our uh, prime minister for the whole of the nation was up for grabs. We had the election between, and the two main parties, the Labor Party and the Liberal Party, and it, everyone had been expecting for probably the past year that Labor Party was going to come in with a bit of a a landslide, but over the past,
0: a bit like the U.S. elections in 2016, okay, everybody so expected to Democrats to win. Yeah.
1: So there was just a huge concerted prayer effort. Uh, mm. Christians were very concerned about particular policies that were going to be brought in by the Labor Party if they'd gained power, which were going to be negatively effective for Christian values. And mm. and the Liberal Party, for all of its faults, was was not going to be pushing those same agendas. Mm. So there was a, a real uh, prayer effort, and so there was a spiritual battle. Nobody was up there um, taking pot shots at, at the candidates. It wasn't. It wasn't a, um, a, an insulting battle. It wasn't a legal battle. It wasn't one of those kind of battles. But people were fighting the battle in the prayer in the prayer room or the war room, as it's been called. Uh, and the result was really quite surprising. On the very night when the counting began, you could see that the, all the uh, commentators were kind of just a bit taken aback. This this was the outcome they weren't expecting that Labor, in fact, didn't get across the line Mm. and that the the, uh, incumbent uh, Prime Minister remained in office, which was really quite a surprise. And the Christian community have basically uh, felt that that was actually a miracle, uh, an unexpected outcome, but it was won by spiritual warfare, Mm. not by hand-to-hand grappling and combat at a person-to-person level.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't won by campaigning and you know, and social media posts and all that sort of stuff. I think we recognise that it was yeah, you know, there was much more going on than that. Okay, so uh, so we've got four, so five. Five I think I'm not sure whether five sort of sits on its own, but this is one of the things which I picked up yesterday with studying David at our Bible study, and that was that uh, when he went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech, he was—he asked for the consecrated bread of the temple, which he wasn't allowed to eat, right? And Leviticus says that they weren't allowed to eat it. And when previously people had violated some sort of one of these ceremonial laws or whatever, um, like touched the ark or uh, when Saul had offered a sacrifice, he wasn't supposed to do that, Samuel was supposed to do it, there were dire consequences. But Ahimelech, the head priest, allowed David to have the consecrated bread to eat, because he was hungry. And there were no dire consequences. And there were no, well, not for that act. There were right. for David going to Nob and, yeah. and getting a Ahimelech involved. But for that act, there was no dire consequences. It didn't seem to be. So why was that? Why was that okay? And then we move forward to the New Testament when Jesus was rubbing some, was on the Sabbath and he was rubbing some wheat in his fingers with his disciples and separating the chaff from the the colonel to eat, and the and the Pharisees were upset because he was doing work, working on the Sabbath. Oh, yes. shocking horror! And 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 David and Jesus pointed back to David. Well, how come? Look, David was eating the consecrated bread, and so it didn't completely. When you just look at it on the surface, it doesn't completely answer. Well, why was David still allowed to do that? What
1: was the connection?
0: What yeah. was the connection? And I don't claim to have the the full answers here, but the only thing at the moment that I can pin, pin my head on here is saying, well, look, mercy trumps the law. Right. And we know that the law sits under the higher law of love, right? Mm-hmm. And mercy and love are kind of like twin brothers or twin mm-hmm. sisters, right? And so I'm sort of just in the early stages of thinking this through, but when there's a situation where we choose to fight or flee, does it involve mercy towards someone else? right does that should that should that mean that we can go against uh go against some some law or some act of some right of justice or some conviction that we have in order to show mercy to to someone else and we see we see a number of Jesus's parables like that where the good samaritan where the whether the Samaritan is, is going and helping the Jew. It's against the established law and order and culture of things for him to do that. But mercy seems to trump the established laws and cultures and our previous ways of thinking about how we should do things. Mm. And so if there is a mercy element to deciding whether we should flee or whether we should fight, then we should, should consider that very carefully as to whether we should Jump down the mercy track.
1: So just picking that up, then the fight to abolish slavery exactly. was a mercy battle. Yes. Okay. And then the the, and the
0: fight to protect the unborn children is a mercy.
1: Mercy. Battle. Okay. Yes. So you're seeing that as an active element of the of the decision making, or when you evaluate the fight, mm. if it's just for your own selfish reasons, just mm. for your own you to get your rights, that's different actually fighting because there's a mercy component actually in the, mm. the battle mm. interesting observation
0: mm. And the last one I think is in my mind if you've got any others but the last one in my mind is is simply to, to be led by the Spirit of God and we already talked about counsel and, and coming to the word and in prayer uh, but we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as Christians. And in the Old Testament, they only had that sporadically, you know, at times when the Holy Spirit came upon somebody. But with us, we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. So if we're right with God, we should, uh, you know, and we're coming to God, and we're and we're we're asking Him, we should be confident that the Spirit of God is leading us. Yeah. And makes clear to us what path we should follow, whether it's to fight or to flee. And so when we look at this, I can't sit here and with Israel Folau example and say, well, Israel Folau should fight or he should flee. Because I don't, I'm not party to his conversations that he's having with God. I'm not party to, to how the spirit is leading him. And so I can't say whether, whether, whether what he's, he's not clearly violating scripture to do one or the other. And so... I can't sit here and pass judgment on what he is doing and what others are doing and other fights. And so we've got to support them and assume that they are in communion with God and they're being led by the spirit of God within them. And then the
1: part we take is simply the part that we feel God's telling us to take. Uh, And otherwise, maybe it's not even our business. It's it's it uh, we're meddling if we try and tell them how they should do their walk with God, which we don't even understand.
0: So you bring up a good point here because the Bible also teaches that we shouldn't take up others offences. And it's so easy for us to do, isn't it? Somebody has been wronged. And so we get on the bandwagon and we take up their offence. We make it a personal offence. And we're on social media, where you know, or or if it's in the church, somebody has been upset in the church. The church splits with people taking up offences on both sides, mm-hmm. and we should be very careful about doing that.
1: Yeah. Well, so we may be called to fight. We may find that it's not our, none of our business, and we just step aside and leave that to those people that yeah. are involved. We might find that, in fact, we end up packing up and heading to Egypt, as as Joseph had to do with Jesus and and Mary until the storm, the trouble has actually passed. But in whichever case it is, we've mm. got to start by looking to the Lord and humbly mm. accepting that God's opinion may actually be different to ours.
0: Yeah. And That's then right.
1: faithfully follow what the Lord's telling us Does It to do. fit into our little box. You mentioned peace earlier, and I wanted to make this observation. Uh, the Scripture says, let, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, or as mm. people point out then, let it be the umpire. And obviously, as we go to do certain things, if we find that we are just getting really drawn into the ugly attitudes, the, uh, the, the, the strife, contention sort of issues, and the peace is not there, then we know very well we've, we've been suckered into something that's not even our fight. Mm. We need to be able, even in the battle, to know that we have peace, that God is with us, that, that he will see us through this day in the court or this day in the battle arena. And so let, let the peace of God be that umpire that tells you whether you are or aren't in the right place, heading in the right direction mm. and doing the right thing. Hmm. Interesting conversation. I hope our listeners have got something out of that these rambling thoughts, but I think it's I great.
0: imagine if I was listening to this I'd be I'd be wanting to interject and say hey but but this and this but that.
1: <laughs> well, they can do that by responding to the post and telling us what that how, how much we missed and then what we don't understand. That's
0: right. And uh, that's exactly right. You can do that over on the website realmen247.org. Uh, on the Facebook page, Real Men 24-7, there will be uh, a link on there for this post. You can always put some comments on there. And uh, don't forget to tell your friends about our podcast series, uh, Real Talk for Real Men. We'd love to have uh, more people listening, more people subscribing, and more pe- people benefiting from... Uh, from the wisdom from Chris and the and the dribble coming from me. <laughs> from the interesting conversations we have. Yeah. Okay, let's call it that. All right, thanks for listening, everyone.
1: God bless you. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.